You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 47, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Paul Miners, an expert on productivity, automation, and self-improvement. Over 100,000 people visit his site every month. Paul is obsessed with productivity, automation, and optimizing his time and income so that he can live on his own terms. You can find out more about Paul and learn how to be more productive by going to his site at paulminers.com. That's Paul. M-I-N-O-R-S dot com. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Paul Miners to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the upcoming interview with Paul Miners, you're going to hear Paul talk about a whole variety of ways in which he batches tasks together, not only to be more productive, but also to cut down on that mental task switching that can be so draining and stressful. In this tip, I'm going to give a couple of pointers for some specific ways in which I do batching that helps me get through my day uh, more productively and with more energy. One is that when it comes to responding to messages, and personally, I have a ton of email messages to respond to every day in my business. I put calendar appointments every day for responding to certain types of messages, like accounting might be one or marketing might be one, the miscellaneous client emails that don't fall within another existing project. I put those into my calendar. And then as emails come in that fall into one of those categories, I drag them right into the appointment as attachments so that when it comes time to respond to marketing emails at that time of day when I've scheduled it, I open that appointment, the emails are sitting right there, I open them up, I run through them, and as you'll hear Paul say, because I'm focused on, let's say, marketing at that time, I can get through all of those tasks uh, in a really focused, efficient, and productive way. The second thing that I do is put calendar appointments in my calendar for certain categories of tasks, even when there's no specific examples of them in the appointment. Again, marketing is an example. I'll put that from one to two o'clock. And then I just know when I see that appointment come up that whatever marketing tasks happen to be on my to-do list, that's the time to tackle them. And the, the real purpose of putting that in the calendar is to switch my mental focus to tasks of that type. It's a reminder for me to switch my attention to that type of task during that period of time. So I hope you find those useful. You'll hear Paul give a whole variety of other suggestions, not just for batching, but for using technology and other kinds of habits for being more productive, more focused, and less stressed out during your day. I hope you enjoy the upcoming interview with Paul Miners. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hey, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. I know there's a lot that we can talk about uh, to help people get more focused and productive. That's really your your focus is focus, right? Mm. <laughs> and your expertise is on on helping people who are busy like me and you get more done with technology and without all of the distraction and stress. I wonder if you could just just dive into, you know, getting started for people who are feeling overwhelmed, maybe like they are not getting a lot done or like they're getting very distracted by technology during their day. You know, what, what would be a first 
easy thing that they'd get a lot of bang for their buck out of doing uh, to change how they use technology and start being more productive? Yeah, wow, what a great question. I, I find uh, with these people that just feel completely overwhelmed by work right now, they're just in that state of, I'm so busy. Often I think the first thing you need to do is just to step back and just to get clarity on what plates are you spinning right now? So usually what that process will involve is uh, doing some kind of mind dump. And it doesn't really matter how you do that. You know, if you're an analog person, if you like using a notebook, if you're digital and you like using some kind of task management system or a mind map, whatever method you choose to use, I think just getting clarity on everything that you currently have in progress is, is really step one. Because then when you have everything sort of brain dumped, mapped out on a piece of paper or on a screen, then you can start to make sense of it. So let's just think through, okay, what are all the personal things that I need to do? I've got a trip or I'm sorting insurance or things around the house. And then what are all the projects I'm managing, clients maybe I'm working with? What's everything on the go in, in, in my work life? When everything's mapped out, now you can start to try and create some structure and organization among those things. So we can go, well, okay, these things, yeah, they're important. I'd like to do them, but actually it doesn't really matter if I don't do them for a month mm. or so. So wait, why don't I put those off? And this one actually is really important. I really need to do that first. Oh, and because it's actually linked to this other thing. If I don't do this one first, mm-hmm. I can't even begin to start that other thing. So just by getting it visually out of your head and uh, in front of you so that you can look at it, you can then start to make these connections and make trade-offs and decisions about around what am I going to do first uh, and how am I actually going to plan to do these things. And I was just writing about this. I think the benefit of planning is it takes you from a state of, oh, my God, like, how am I going to get all, the, all of this done to a state of, okay, great. I've got this. I can handle this because I've now got a plan, a plan of attack. So for me, for example, you know, uh, that brain dump, if you like, is sort of constantly happening for me. Uh, and the tool that I use to do that is Asana, is it, which is a project management tool. And the tool itself doesn't really matter. I think this is something that a lot of people get caught up on with, with their technology is, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm not being productive or I'm too busy. And, it, and the problem is the tool. Maybe Asana's wrong. Maybe I should use Trello. Trello is going to fix all my problems. And then they try <laughs> Trello. That doesn't work. So they try, oh, you know what? Basecamp. Basecamp's awesome. I'm going to use Basecamp. That's the solution I've been looking for. <laughs> and so we get caught up in this, uh, this issue of bouncing around tools. And really the tool itself doesn't really matter. It's more the habits, the routines and how you use the tool. That's what's more important. No, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, I think maybe many years ago, there was a bit of a difference in my experience. A lot of these tools have converged in terms of their features. Sure. You know, one of them may be a little bit more focused on team productivity, another one on mind mapping. But for the most part, as you said, you know, if you get wrapped up in this dream <laughs> that one of them's going to magically solve all of your problems, uh, you know, compared to the others, then you may want to take, take a closer look at yourself and how you're, how you're organizing things. So maybe, yeah, take us down that next step of regardless of what tool you're using, which could also be paper, as you said, right at the beginning, you know, what are some of the processes or tactics you want to start using next? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, pick that tool, whatever is going to be best for you. And that, that's a really important point. Don't worry about going with the tool that maybe somebody else has recommended to you. Just do a little bit of research, figure out, okay, what are the pros and cons of this one? What are the limitations I maybe have to live with? You know, you, you cannot have the perfect tool, like you said, unless you literally custom build your own task management system. The perfect tool does not exist. So stop mm-hmm. looking for it. But yeah, so you found your tool. So maybe I use Asana. And so that mind mapping is something that's always happening. Very much I take this approach, this getting things done approach of everything I need to do, I get, I try and outsource out of my head, get it out of my head and into this tool as much as I can. So in Asana, I can see everything that I need to do. 
And so I've got it all structured into various projects. And again, a bit like with a tool, the projects and how you structure things doesn't matter too much as long as you've got it out of your head and in there somewhere. I think that's the main thing. I mean, we can play and tweak our tools and set up different projects and structures and things until the cows come home. But the main <laughs> thing, the value of the tool comes from just, I think, getting it out of your head and into some kind of system. Um, so for example, right now I've got all my clients that I'm working with in a client project. And I very much try and take this approach of thinking for each project or client that I'm working on, what is the next action? What, are, what is the very next thing I need to do to move this forward? And don't be afraid to go granular on that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes let's say I'm working on a project right now. I'm making a series of training videos for pipe drive. And so the next thing is I need to make a sales page. But actually, if I dig into that, if I actually go, well, actually, what is making a sales page involved? Really, the next action is actually writing sales copy and planning what I want to say. So don't be afraid to go granular and actually Mm. granular and map out all of the small steps you need to get done. The more you can kind of dissect things like this, the easier it will then be to plan the order in which you need to do them. And so that's when I start putting some dates on things as well. And I think one of the things that people do with the these task management systems, whether it's Asana or Basecamp, you know, they have these due dates that you can attach to tasks. And, and with a lot of our work, we think, well, you know, this project, it doesn't, it doesn't have a due date. I just want to get it done as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> I see this all the time where people literally, everything they're working on falls into that category of, I just want to do it as soon as I can. There is no due date. I'll just do it as quick as I can. So this is why we're so busy is everyone has 20 things they're trying to do as quick as they can, which might be this week. And so you're now spending 20 plates. It's very hard to divide up your time among these projects. And so your focus is split. If we're talking about mindfulness, is it better to dedicate 100% of your energy to one task or project at a time and do that thing really well, execute and get it done versus then spending 10% of your energy and time on 10 different things and only advancing them a tiny little bit. So what what's the better trade-off? So I think, yeah, the way I suggest people use due dates is actually plan out when would you like to do these things? Don't think of them as due dates, mm-hmm. due date being, you know, I have to get it done by this time. The much more common way that I personally use due dates, and this is an approach I've used with my clients as well, is, is use the due dates to set your intention. This mm-hmm. is when I would like to do it by. And then you can make some trade-offs, like I said. So this one can happen in a few weeks. This one doesn't have to have to happen until next month. And, oh, I need to do this one first before I can start that one. So I should do that first. And I very much use the dates to plan my time rather mm-hmm. than actually set the dates around when it actually has to be done. Because not a lot of our work really has to happen at a specific mm-hmm. time, really. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's gr- that I really appreciate about this is that if you don't uh, use the approach that you're talking about, very often the things that don't have to be done until two months from now don't actually get done <laughs> until <Yeah>. then. <laughs> if we're fo- if our minds are focused on the due date of June first, then then we're more inclined to just let those slide until then. Uh, when maybe they don't have to be finished until then, but it would be a benefit to us and to the people around us to get them done sooner, and we'll also avoid the stress of doing what very often happens when we get focused too much on the due date, which is letting things slip until that date or two yeah, months until the last it. minute. <laughs> yeah, you, you make a good point. So you want to think about with your dates, you know, not just when is the latest I need to do this, but actually maybe even using the date around when do I want to start working on this mm-hmm. instead? Maybe that's a better way for you to be thinking about it. So that's really step two. So I've done my brain dump. I've kind of got it all into some kind of system where now I can make sense of it. The brain dump is just about getting it out of my head, getting it into some kind of task based system is about putting it into order, creating structure, creating a 
a plan around when am I going to do these things? What do I need to do first before I can do the next part? So that's about putting it in order. Then I go a step further. I like to use my calendar to actually block out time to work on these things. It's a habit. It's a routine that does take a little bit of extra discipline. I'm not going to lie. And some people will hear this and be like, wow, I couldn't possibly block out time for my tasks. I'm far too busy or my day is, I need to be much more reactive. The benefit about the benefit of blocking your time, there's a number of benefits. Uh, again, it comes back to intentionality. Now you're actually setting your intention about, okay, not just what am I going to do today? Like here's, uh, I'm looking at a task today. I need to do an, uh, an audit on somebody's account for a client. I'm going to be doing that at 11 o'clock today. So I've not, I haven't just decided when am I going to do it on like on the day, but actually what time am I going to do it? I'm going to be mm-hmm. starting this at 11. And then even more than that, it, this is, I can see here on my calendar, this is a block that takes an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So by putting it onto your calendar and I'm using just that week view layout, I can see seven days in front of me. It forces you to think about how long do you need to complete these tasks? Because some tasks you have on your, in your system, some of them might take two minutes or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Some of them take 15, some 30, some an hour, some a couple of hours. And so by putting them on your calendar, and generally I'll, I'll only put on things that take about 15 minutes or more, because that's literally the smallest increment, the smallest mm-hmm. block I can make on my calendar. Now I'm, I'm thinking about not just what am I going to do today, but when am I going to do it and how long is yeah. it going to take? So if I have 10 things that I need to do, maybe I block out the first five and my day is full. And now the other five, well, clearly I'm not going to get them done based on how long I think I need. So I need to now put them to tomorrow or the next day or really work out when I'm going to do these things. And so that's the power of time blocking is I think it really forces you to be realistic with your plan because otherwise it's so easy to overcommit. And we, we all do this. We say we've got 20 things to do today. But because you don't take that next step, which is to think about how long do I need? When am I going to do it? You overcommit. You don't get half of it done. So tomorrow... Those things get pushed to tomorrow, but you've got 20 new things coming through. Mm-hmm. And so this just snowball effect just continues. And you're constantly feeling like you're behind and you're catching up when realistically, all you need to do is kind of spread it out, be more intentional, plan your time, use the calendar, block it out. And you can actually create a much more realistic plan that uh, you're much more likely to stick to as well. That's really, really great. I mean, you've pointed out so many different benefits of the time blocking. I just want to emphasize one to listeners, which is, you know, another way of saying what you said about not seeing on your to-do list how long things take. You can look at a list of 10 things. And if you're just looking at that list, it's easy to trick yourself into thinking they're all equal in time, right? When you're not, you haven't put them on the calendar. When one of them might be five minutes, one of them might be an hour and a half. And if, if you, if you fall into that trap, of just thinking these are 10 tasks, therefore they're equally uh, time-consuming, you will end up with exactly the problem that you mentioned. I wonder if you can talk also about something that I love to do. I shouldn't say love, but I've, I, look, I love productivity. <laughs> you know, I do get, yeah. get kind of excited about it, <laughs> which is batching similar types of tasks together. It's another way of scheduling your time, but you know, it goes another step there beyond just, just picking what time and how much time you're going to spend on each task. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I will just wrap up that last part with just a few extra tips on the time blocking, because a lot of people do think that it's a very rigid system. And, you know, what if my plan changes? What if urgent work comes up? But really, my calendar is a tool that literally, if I'm on my computer, it's open. And I I use a dual monitor setup. So I have Mm -hmm. my my MacBook connected on my left, and I have my primary display on my right. And, And literally, my calendar is showed all the time. Now, what happens is if I'm working on, okay, I've got this audit, I generally plan more time than I think I need. So this audit, maybe I think it'll, they usually take about an hour, but I I block an hour and a half. I always go more pessimistic. So that way, if I do finish earlier, what I will actually do is take that appointment on my calendar and I will change it to say it only took an hour. 
Now, other tasks that were going to happen later, I can bump those up. I can start those a bit sooner. Mm-hmm. And if urgent work comes in, I'm like, okay, this client really needs this thing today. I can put that on my calendar and shift something else to tomorrow. This block that, that I had here this afternoon, that can go to tomorrow morning instead. So I can constantly kind of juggle things around. And this is why a calendar helps you to actually make time for the things that you need to do. You know, we all say, I don't have time. Well, actually, we all have the same number of hours in a day. And somehow Elon Musk can send rockets to Mars and build electric cars. Um, And so I really like how the calendar literally forces you to make time and move things around. Uh, And so that's just a final tip I would say, if you do want to try this time blocking method, uh, keep it, it, it is um, it is a flexible system. You don't have to stick to your plan. In fact, you won't stick to your plan. So you can move and update things as you go. Oh, this is great. You know, I think it addresses this uh, either criticism or concern that people have if they haven't done this time blocking before, that it'll be too rigid, something that's not flexible, not able to adapt. And you pointed out how, in fact, you can make this a living, breathing system that's ad- that you're adapting on the fly. And also how, you know, this is a way in which we can actually use technology, namely a calendar on a computer in a way that's much more flexible and easy to adapt than an old style paper calendar where I guess you could do this by erasing things and writing new ones in. You know, I, I love actually adapting my calendar by dragging stuff around visually. I mean, there may be people who do it more by text, you know, type in a new amount of time. Different people think in different ways, but I just find being able to drag stuff around and move it, as you said, at the end of the day, planning and then during the day is really helpful. And if people are concerned about this, taking up too much time to manage your time, I find it, the, the adapting on the fly can actually be done very, very quickly. Uh, and and oh, it's, it's very more, quick. yeah. more than made up for by the amount of time it saves me and the productivity gain. Yeah, once you get into the habit, you'll just be updating things uh, like just very instantaneously without even thinking. You're just like, okay, that task is done, update the calendar, done. You don't even think about it. It just becomes an automatic response. Let me come back to your batching question, because that's a great question. And uh, the concept of batching, if people haven't heard about it, is basically grouping together similar types of tasks so that you can realize some kind of efficiency benefit. And this kind of this originates kind of back to manufacturing. You know, the startup cost of starting a machine, getting it going is is quite expensive. And so we batch and, and do a lot of small tasks at once because we've got this machine turning over and running. We want to kind of not have to start and stop things. So mm-hmm. let me give you an example on Mondays, for example. Monday is my sort of content day. So I sort of have a theme for the day. So yesterday, it's Tuesday here in New Zealand as we're, as we're at the time of recording this. So yesterday, Monday, I know it's Monday for you, Robert, was my content day. Now, I do all my content, so I'm actually publishing content for the week. I'm creating new content that will be published for the following week, and I'm recording podcasts and videos as well. So for the entire day, I'm just in a particular mindset. So that's the first kind of benefit of, of batching. It just puts you in a certain a mindset, a certain mind frame that you can now just be in that mode. I'm not having to switch from content to now, okay, now I'm working on client work or I'm working on some sales pitch or whatever it might be. I'm just in that same mind frame for the entire day. So that's really nice. Uh, so I'm not having to shift my mindset and kind of incur a bit of a switching cost in trying to mm-hmm. reprogram my mind to now be <laughs> focusing on a, a different type of work. The other thing, like specifically with that content example is, right, when I sit down in the afternoon, uh, I had a bunch of recording to do yesterday afternoon. So I have to get my microphone, I have to set it up, plug it all in, get my levels sorted. Now, it doesn't take a massive amount of time. But you know what? Seeing as I'm setting up my microphone, I may as well just record all of these three things at once that, you know, I had to do a podcast, an ad, and I think a video or something. So I just did them all at, all in the over the course of the afternoon. 
because my microphone is ready to go. I don't have to set it up individually each time. Like hypothetically, if I was doing those three separate recordings on three individual days, now each time I have to set up my microphone, I have to warm up my voice and get ready. And, you know, because sometimes you want to like just practice talking and and do a little, um, a few little limericks and things just to get ready. (laughs) So you can just, again, get into that groove, get into that flow state for all of those tasks, you don't have to sort of get into that groove each time and set everything up each time. So that's sort of the benefit of batching. By grouping these similar tasks together, uh, we can be more efficient than if we were doing them separately. It's really great. And, you know, for people who who don't batch, and, and I'll, I'll say that technology can really be our enemy here in that if we get into that mode of doing something next because a message or notification popped up to ask us to do it, it's very easy to get into the mode of going from one type of task to a completely different type of task next, right? If we're following just whatever the technology is doing, if instead we do what you said, set our intention to work on something of a particular type, the productivity gain can be much greater than people might assume. You know, I think sometimes when I speak to people who don't do this, they think their switching cost is 10 seconds or something. You know, they don't realize it can be five or 10 minutes, depending on what you're switching from, either because of the physical setup or just as you said, the mental switch. And if it's, uh, you know, switching from one type of focused work to another kind of deeply focused work, the studies have shown it can take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes for your mind to really get into that deep state of focus after switching. Add that up over the course of a day, and you can be losing hours of time by switching too much from one type of work to another, just because of how your mind works. Yeah, I, I think the switching cost that you're talking about, it, it is much more mental than it is, say, physical. Because, I mean, most you know digital workers, there isn't a massive physical switching cost apart from maybe changing a few applications and websites that you're that you're running. No, the switching cost is much more mental. So for example, a, a few other things that I typically batch are things like client calls and client work that I'm doing. Most of with my, the consulting that I do, I'm spent is, is spent on calls with clients. And so generally I'll have a few calls back to back because again, I'm in that mode. I'm focused on clients. I don't have to be doing, going from a call to then email or to working on content and then back to a client and I'm constantly switching. No, for that, for that, in a few hours or for the entire morning of my day, I'm just focused on clients. Email is closed. All my other apps are closed. I'm not being distracted by all these other things. I can just focus on clients. And then in the afternoon, maybe, right, no more client work. Now I'm working on admin and I'm going to batch and do all of these admin tasks at once, maybe like paying bills, invoices, doing other small little nitty gritty business things, because I I can get into that mode of doing these little, little quick admin tasks. uh, And I'm not having to worry about, okay, now I need to jump on a call and, and get ready for that and prepare mentally for that. So no, yeah, you're right. The switching cost is much more mental than it is um, physical or anything else. You know, I'd like to uh, go back to something you said very early on, which is don't get too hung up on exactly how you categorize, let's say, everything that fits within a batch and do what works for you. You know, here's really a call for some mindfulness, right? Different people might batch together things differently. It's a good opportunity to pay attention to what works best for you. You know, you mentioned calls. I suspect that's probably probably pretty common way for people to, to work efficiently. But, but, you know, maybe you find uh, for yourself that it's by topic, marketing versus accounting versus specific client work. Who knows what it is that works for you to gain that efficiency from batching. And the only way to really know is do some experimenting and pay attention mindfully <laughs> you know, to what does and doesn't work for you and tailor the specific details of how you batch to what works best for you. 
Yeah. And actually, if I could um, go back to the time blocking briefly, another benefit of the time blocking is that if you are, as I said, like updating your appointments and, and those blocks to show what you actually did, what that means is at the end of the week, you mm. now have a perfect record of how you spent your time. Mm-hmm. And so it allows you to look back and reflect on what you did that week and, and sort of ask some questions around, okay, like how, looking back at my week, how did it go? Like what types mm-hmm. of things did I group together? I had all these client calls. I did that content in one block and I did that. Maybe next week I can now do things slightly differently. Maybe I'll do my calls in the afternoon. I'll work on content in the morning because content maybe requires more um, mental energy because I need to be in much more of a creative mindset. Mm-hmm. That's actually something that I'm much more effective at in the morning, whereas calls I can do in the afternoon, I can do at any time, really. So actually doing that time blocking, having that essentially like a digital time log journal of how you spent your time, you can now use that as a basis, uh, as a data point to now go and tweak from it and kind of optimize later and work out when are some better times to work on these batches or how might I change up my routine based on when I need to be more creative or more focused and that type of thing. Yeah, that's a really, really great suggestion. It calls to mind in the architecture field, you're designing a house and you've got the as-designed plans, right? And then once the house is built, it's the as-built plans showing what actually happened. And there can be differences. I'll tell you, I found for myself over the years, and it's changed even for me as I've gotten older, uh, I generally don't do deep focused writing work well in the morning. You know, I've learned that. I tried to do it. It wasn't productive. Instead, I respond to messages, do that very, very well. I do my planning sometimes in the morning. It's usually 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, at least sometimes early afternoon before I can really get into gear on that deep focused writing. I only found that because I continued to pay attention to myself over time, you know, and I'd let people know, uh, even once you find your groove, be prepared. It may change. <laughs> it may change depending on how yeah. you're feeling as you get older, as you shift in other ways based on the season. You know, I don't know what it is, but the only way you're going to find that out is by paying attention to yourself, paying attention to your records, as you said, which I'm sure you you tell people that what you find when you look at that record on your calendar may be surprising to you, you know, you, your own memory of what you were doing and ha- particularly how long things took may be different from what was actually there. So the written records can be really, really useful as a sanity check. Yeah, absolutely. Just recently, a few weeks ago, what I did is at the start of the week, because what I'll do generally is I'll plan my week uh, on the Friday before. And and not really the entire week, more just like the big things that I need to get done. So every Friday I sit down, I do some kind of planning session for the following week. So I look at, okay, what are the big projects? What are the goals that I have to work on uh, over this upcoming week? And a lot of that's been predetermined, like calls with clients have already been booked, but then I'll often put on those blocks for those big projects and tasks that I need to go and work on. And then a few weeks ago, what I did on a Monday morning is I took a screenshot of my calendar and I was like, right, this is my plan. And then uh, Friday afternoon, when I sent a, sat down to do the following week's plan, I took a screenshot of that exact <laughs> same week to see how it had changed. And actually, I was surprised to see it, it had changed a little bit, not too much. Like a few of the calls had been canceled, so I'd fit in some other work. A few calls had been put on where they, they'd had some cancellations and things. So things had moved around a little bit. But it was really nice to go back and and see, oh, that task there, I thought that was going to take an hour. It actually took me a lot longer. Or this one that I thought was going to take two hours was actually a lot quicker. And so you can then start to uh, improve 
and make better estimates over time around how long different things are going to take and learn more about what is a, a, the right way to plan? How much time do I generally need for these common types of tasks? And so it was really interesting to just do that little experiment and just look at what, how, how accurate was my plan? And I think over time, the more you do this, you will get better at making those estimates. But as I said, it, it really does help to generally plan a little bit more time than you need. That's great. And, you know, I'll just suggest uh, for our, our mindfulness listeners that you go at this with the kind of attitude that Paul is describing, which is very objective, scientific, data-based, non-judgmental about yourself. You know, you, you may find when you do this for the first time that you have some uh, self-judging thoughts, like, I can't believe that I took so long on this task. I should have only taken 10 minutes and it took an hour. You know, when you hear that should word in your mind, it's yeah. a good sign that you're engaged in some self-judgment, which doesn't feel very good. And it's just also not productive. You know, if what you're looking to do is increase your efficiency, it's helpful to take a step back and just look at the information if you can, you know, and see what you can uh, can learn from it without judging yourself or telling yourself all kinds of stories about what's wrong with you because you weren't as productive as you could have been. Mm. Absolutely. And, and actually, I could keep talking about this for days, I feel like. <laughs> the other benefit is um, having it all on your calendar. Now you can be more mindful uh, and aware of like that balance that you might have in your life. Because I put in personal stuff on here as well. I've got mm -hmm. when I'm going to the gym. We have a family calendar, my wife and I, so things we need to do and social appointments, like going to have dinner with the parents or whatever that might be. So because I have all of our kind of personal commitments and appointments and things on here as well, now I can look back at the end of my week much more holistically and go, not just from a work point of view, but personally within my life, like how is that balance? How much time am I dedicating to these different uh, areas of responsibility that I have? Do I have that right? Uh, so I think it's it's really nice. It is really a big bird's eye holistic view of not just your work, but your time in general. And I think, you know, speaking about mindfulness, now we can make better decisions and trade-offs around where should my time be spent? Am I working too much? Am I working too little? Where, what are the relationships maybe I haven't invested in in a while? Um, so really it's, uh, yeah, I could keep talking about this for days, I feel. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder, you know, talk about having both work and personal appointments. I wonder if you can talk about trade-offs between maybe mixing work together with personal, both on the calendar and your life. Do you do things like have an actual separate calendar and then hide one of them. I, that's something I do, right? I, have, I actually have several different calendars and at different times, like during the workday, I may choose to not have the personal stuff show up. So it's not uh, on my mind at that moment. I wonder if you have any strategies or suggestions for people about this uh, division between, let's just call it work and life, but, but we all may have many different spheres of our life in which we're planning and scheduling and executing. Yeah. Well, the way I look at it, and maybe it's different for me. I mean, I'm self-employed. The way I very much look at it, and actually I should say as well, a, a big priority, if you like, that I have in running my businesses is about maintaining that balance, is about I want to work for myself so that I can balance my personal life and so that I'm I don't have to be committed to somebody else's schedule. I can really very much uh, set my own hours, work when I want and, you know, be around to help my wife with our new baby and that kind of thing. So personally, I like to actually see it all at once rather than turning off personal. I like to just see this, this view because I sort of subscribe a little bit to what Richard Branson said. I can't remember the exact words, but I think he said something along the lines of, you know, there is no work life balance. It's all just life. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why you need to kind of do what you love, but it's all just life. And so I, I very much subscribe to that. Like I like to see it all in one place so that it's very visual. How much of my time is spent on work versus personal? 
for me personally, I mean, it might be different for you, but I don't find the, when I see the personal things, I don't see them as a, a distraction per se, but it is nice to just um, still at the end of the week, have that, that view that I can look at and see, you know, not just work-wise, but how did I spend my time in general this week? That's great. You know, we've been talking a lot about, and as you said, we can probably talk forever about how to use technology to help be more productive. I wonder if we could take a little bit of a step back and talk about, you know, how we can develop and maintain habits in the rest of our life. You know, basic things like sleep and eating and exercise. You know, in the tech world, we often get focused entirely on what are we doing on technology and with technology to get more productive. But we have bodies that we live in, (laughs) you know, that we need to keep healthy as well. Not, of course, not just to be productive, but I'll just limit it to that for now because that happens to be the topic of this conversation. And, and it's a real problem in the tech world. I'm in the, in the legal world as well. You know, uh, I can fall into that trap, and I know many of us do, of just sitting, often literally sitting for many, many mm. hours and not moving or being engaged in work in a way that's, that's unbalanced, both just not healthy for us personally, but also counterproductive from a perspective of productivity. So I wonder if you could take a step back and and talk a little bit about those as well. Well, I think technology has been great and it's been its impact on health and fitness and living a balanced life. I'm going to focus on health and fitness. I think it really has helped that area a lot. Where you were on my podcast recently, we were talking about how technology has created a lot of challenges for us where it distracts us a lot and we need to really approach it for mindfully. I really do think technology has helped us to be a lot more mindful when it comes to things like health and fitness. So for me personally, I have an Apple Watch, but you know, if you have a Fitbit or something else, I think these wearables that you can get now are incredibly useful for just building that awareness of things like, you know, it will tell me, it'll alert me every hour if I need to stand up. (laughs) Um, I do wear it to sleep. I mean, I'm super geek, but I wear it to sleep (laughs) and I have an app uh, called Sleepwatch. And it will, the thing I like about this app is I don't have to tell it I'm sleeping like Mm. some of them you do, but it will actually just recognize when I'm asleep. And then it recognizes when I get up, it tracks my heart rate during sleep and that kind of thing. It syncs all that data back over to the Apple Health app on my phone. And now over time, I can look back. I've literally got years worth of sleep data I can look at. Mm-hmm. And just and when I start falling into bad habits or bad routines, it's very visual because I can look back at the charts and go, oh, yeah, look, I'm going to sleep later or I'm waking up more in the night. And so just the... I mean, the wearable, that's what collects the data by seeing it on the graph. It just makes it so much more visual. Like, are you slipping into bad habits and routines and how can we improve that? So I think it's been massively beneficial for sleep, uh, standing, as I've mentioned, exercise as well. So, you know, I wear my watch to the gym and I can track workouts, see how much movement and exercise I'm getting over the course of a week. And again, if I start slipping up or getting into bad habits or, or not going to the gym as much as I know I should, it's very visual on that graph there that I can see. So I think wearables have been incredibly beneficial for health and fitness and just general routines and being more mindful. That's again, I'm going to say it again, but this is where the calendar is super useful. Like, so one of the things I have on my calendar each day is to take time to go for a walk and and have lunch and meditate. So I have to put that on my calendar because number one, either clients will book me during that time. So I literally have to have that appointment to make sure I can't be booked and I actually have an hour to myself. And I really like blocking out that time for myself halfway through the day where I can, I've got a nice, an hour is like a decent chunk of time where I can eat lunch. I can go for about a 20 
minute walk. And then at the end, I can sit down and meditate. And so it's a constant reminder each and every day that I need to, that I need to stop working. I need to completely disconnect from technology, from my work, from my clients, go for a walk without my phone and then sit down and meditate. And then when I come back in the afternoon, I'm much more refreshed. I mean, you, you obviously talk about this all the time. It's like hitting the reset mm-hmm. button. And now I can go into the second half of my day refreshed just with more clarity and focus on what I need to do. And I just love doing that in the middle of the day. And the calendar really helps me to maintain that habit. If I didn't have it on my calendar, maybe I would have the good intention to go and do that. But because I literally block out time for myself to do that, um, it really helps me to stay consistent with those kind of habits. That's really great. I mean, the way I'm hearing it is that you're setting your intention, you're, you're then recording that intention in the technology, right? It might be in an app or in the calendar, and then you're using it to remind you of what you wanted your intention to be, you know, rather than what we all so often get sucked into, which is an ad, right, that's coming in from somewhere. That's not about our intention, right? It's someone else's intention that's coming into our consciousness in an attempt to pull us away. And so you're talking about, right, use your own intention, record it, and have the technology remind you of what that is. You're using it to, to support your own ends. I really love it. Let's talk about just one one more topic for time, which is, you know, we've talked about leveraging technology to help you get tasks done, mostly manually. I wonder if you can talk a little bit without, you know, creating a whole other segment about this, uh, you know, <laughs> hot topic of automation, you know, and I wonder if any small tips, uh, I mean, a reminder that we just talked about is maybe you could think of as a very simple example of automation, but any suggestions that you have for people who aren't programmers or techies or engineers, you know, who can't, can't necessarily create new technology for themselves, any ways people can leverage existing technology to automate things in small ways that could support them in being more mindful and productive. Yeah. Oh, you are opening up a can of worms here. (laughs) But yeah, speaking very generally, so automation, I'm a big fan of automation. And so the common things I try and automate are the small repetitive tasks that we have to do, you know, very frequently throughout our day or throughout our week that often Take mental bandwidth because everything you do, every sort of action requires some kind of mental bandwidth just to think about. And that, that willpower is constantly draining throughout the day, right? So these small little things, they still require mental bandwidth, but really they're little tasks that often don't contribute a lot in terms of value or achieving our goals. They're just small little tasks. So let me give you an example. Somebody, a new, a new client contacts me to get help with some consulting. So I have an inquiry system on my website. They can book an introductory call with me using Calendly. Now what I've done is I've connected Zapier. Zapier is my absolute favorite automation tool. If you haven't heard of it, it's basically a web-based automation tool. You do not have to be a programmer. I am not a programmer, but I know here's a workflow. Here's uh, something that's happened. You know, this client has booked this call with me. Now I want to go and make a few things happen. So for example, what I need to do is take that booking and I want to put it into my sales CRM, Mm -hmm. which is a tool Mm -hmm. I use called Pipedrive. So it needs to create a contact. It needs to put in their name, their email, it needs to set up a deal. It needs to put in an activity to call them at the time that they've scheduled that kind of thing, put in some notes. So that's something that, you know, in the past, it took me five or 10 minutes to do. Not only is it taking up my time, it's taking up mental bandwidth. And I maybe get a few dozen, you know, maybe a dozen of these bookings every mm-hmm. week. And so that time does add up. That mental bandwidth does add up. So what I can do with Zapier is say, right, when that thing happens, when that trigger, that's how it works. It's that's the trigger event mm-hmm. is that booking is being made go and do these steps. And so it will create the deal. It'll create create a contact. It'll put in the contact information and it'll schedule the activity for me. 
So a technology can, I can offload that to technology to save me time and mental bandwidth. And I can't, I can't stress enough, like the satisfaction <laughs> I get of knowing that I have this little system, like a, a virtual robot doing work for me in the background that I don't have to do is incredibly satisfying. So Zapier is this great tool that you can use to just start to automate different internet services and connected accounts together. So you could connect things like your email, if you use Trello or some other web-based, you know, task management system, your calendar, other tools that you might use if you have an accounting software or mind mapping tools. It really, any of these online accounts and services that you probably use, Dropbox, it will probably connect with Zapier and you can start to automate some of those activities. So yeah, hopefully that gives people a little bit of an idea of what's possible. But I think the real benefit, obviously just saving the time, is just freeing up that mental bandwidth, right? about mindfulness we can offload that we don't even have to worry about it the technology just sort of takes that burden away from us mentally yeah i love this suggestion of zappy i hope people go and check it out and the other thing it brings to mind is going back to our discussion about the calendar and blocking out your time you know the example you gave of a new client lead coming in is a great one because for better or worse in our world right now when someone contacts a business they expect to be responded to pretty much immediately uh, but from your point of view as the the person running the business that's not something you have much of a choice about when to respond to it you can't easily say i'm going to respond to all client contacts at the beginning of the next day it might be too slow (laughs) you might lose people right there's only certain types of things we have control over when we can schedule but by automating the response you eliminate the need for you to then drop everything you were doing to add that person to your database and respond to them, which may be what you had to do in the past before you automated that type of task. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really great. Well, uh, Paul, I mean, it's it's obvious you're extremely knowledgeable about this, that you have endless supply of, of information and tips for people, and we have limited time here. So I'm going to need to wrap up, unfortunately, but so that people can benefit from, from all of your wisdom. I wonder if you can just let us know where can people go to find you, find out more about you, and learn more from you about how to be more productive. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is at my website, which is paulminers.com. And my surname is spelled M-I-N-O-R-S.com. And that's my uh, home on the internet. I blog regularly and I have my podcast where I talk about not just uh, productivity, but kind of running a more effective and efficient business, self, self-improvement self in general. My YouTube channel as well is full of videos where I'm very practical and show people how to do things with Asana and Pipedrive, for example, how to automate different parts of these systems and and get more out of your tools. I know I said at the start, you know, we often um, get caught up on which tool to use. And so that's really what I'm trying to do is help you to fast track that setup and that learning so that we don't waste time spinning our wheels using the tools incorrectly. Actually, we just, I mean, the tool at the end of the day is just a tool. It's just a hammer that helps you to do a job. Uh, A lot of people pick up the tool and start smashing away without really thinking about what's the best way to use this tool. And so I'm really trying to provide clarity on that. So yeah, my website, paulminers.com and my YouTube channel are two great resources you can go and check out. That's awesome. Yeah, I recommend that that people go there. And you know what we've heard today is just a real tip of the iceberg for the productivity suggestions and tips you can get from Paul. I, I really enjoyed it. I could keep talking to you forever, but in order to make efficient use of our time and our listeners' time, we'll we'll cut it off for now. And thanks so much for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Thank you, Robert. This has been great. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Paul Miners. 
productivity expert who works as a virtual consultant to help people set up and use tools like Asana, MailChimp, Pipedrive, and Zapier. You can get more of Paul's productivity tips and learn more about his work at paulminers.com. That's Paul, M-I-N-O-R-S.com. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share the episode with your friends. Those and all other links are in the show notes. And check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. And find out about our Tap Into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone at tapintomindfulness.com. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with Rebecca Horan, who helps entrepreneurs to develop memorable brands and breathe new life into existing programs and products. <music>